All right, let's get started. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to be kind of difficult to preach right now. I feel like I'm kind of wrecked, but pray for me. Actually, maybe don't pray for me. That might not help right now. Um, this is week two of what I'm, like four weeks on agape love. Uh, part of this fall, the desires um, we're building, we're going to craft the, the spiritual culture, the climate that we are cultivating together and actually living in. But Lord's put it on my heart, shared this last week, to bring definition uh, to the spiritual, uh, the spiritual culture. That word spiritual uh, refers to supernatural, this idea that it's God. God is working in the midst of us. Church is a institute an organization that's not built by human hands it's built by God so there's this uh, invisible but very present and manifest reality that there's another that's working in our midst amen and uh, um, the the main passage I'll be teaching on uh, the kind of the emphasis would be first Corinthians 12 through 14 preached on that last week I'm going to veer a little bit away from it but that's what we will be weaving in and out of over the next 10 weeks uh, and the be- middle of that passage is uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which is, of course, is the chapter of love, agape. Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, I'm not going to read it all, but you know what I mean. And so uh, I'm going to spend four weeks unpacking what does it mean to be in an environment of love? What does it mean to be a people of agape, a people that have character and purity, uh, which is the very foundation upon which the gifts of the Spirit uh, are introduced to us most thoroughly in the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's giving uh, really like a thesis and a correction on the spiritual gifts, but interwoven to all of it is love. So we're going to start with love and then seek to build uh, upon this foundation. So I have a lot to talk through tonight. I'm going to pray real quick and then then we'll get going. Uh, So Lord, I thank you that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword dividing uh, bone and marrow, spirit and soul, thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we ask that your word will get into us and transform us and change us and change our thinking and our intentions and our, and our thoughts. God, that you will bring the transformative power of the word of God to bear fruit in our lives tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I talked about uh, comparison Right? And, and really, I talked about honor, but the role of honor kind of in this uh, conflict with comparison. And tonight, I'm going to go from honor. I'm going to talk about the community of love as a community that values truth-telling. Truth-telling. Amen? Who's excited? You don't sound very excited. Truth-telling. Okay, you're not excited. I'll get you excited. All right. Uh, First Corinthians, or sorry, Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Who's heard this before? Right? We t- we, like this kind of easy as it sounds, but it's speak the truth in love, right? Speak the truth in love. Uh, this is not as easy as it sounds, but it is, again, just as last week, a culture of honor, a culture that values truth-telling, a culture that speaks the truth in love is a very beautiful culture because there's no mask, there's no inauthenticity, there's no plastic relationships, there's no facades, right? A community that speaks the truth in love is real. Right, a community that speaks the truth in love, everyone's giving the gift to one another where you know where you're at with the other person. You don't have to sit and question and think, what are they thinking? Where are my thoughts at? Where am I in with them? You know, there's no people pleasing. There's no, right? Everyone's speaking the truth. You know what the truth is because you trust, right? Everyone's in this sort of conversation and you can't have masks. You know why you can't have masks? Because masks only exist where you can live with blind spots. 
But in a community that speaks truth and love, there's no blind spots because you're speaking to them, right? Because blind spots are only blind to you, <laughs> right? My mom thinks that's really funny. I always have one fan, hallelujah. I'm just going to start preaching right here. <laughs> All right, so that, there's a beauty, there's a vision, there's something to be grasped, there's something that we should, uh, you know, hunger for, to be a community that speaks the truth in love. Right, this verse is actually a paradox. God loves paradox. He uses him in. Right? He uses it to disciple us. He uses it to get outside the box that our minds want to put him in. Right? And we speak the truth in love. And the key to any paradox is you have to understand which part of the paradox has priority. Right? In Martha and Mary, we all know this story. He doesn't say, Martha, what you're doing is so terrible. Why are you helping and getting food ready for people? That's not a bad thing to do. He says, Mary, you've chose the better portion, right? So he's showing right here the key to understanding this dynamic, because we're all called to do things, but we're also called to be intimate with Jesus, is priority goes to intimacy with Jesus. Priority goes to the place of his feet. Are you following me? Right, so here, truth and love, it's very obvious what has priority. That would be love. God is Love, right? So truth has to be uh, spoken in the context of love. So to embody this paradox, we got to understand love. So what are we preaching on these four weeks? Love, agape love. We need to be a community of love, right? If we veer only towards truth, we, are, uh, we veer into judgmentalism, right? We become extremely judgmental, right? And I'm sure we've all had experience of people speaking the truth, but you're like, man, I don't really feel any love, right? I just feel like you're beating me with a baseball bat, actually, right? And the Bible, like this is, get this, the Bible has no authority to people unless they know the author. And the author is God, and God is love, right? So people think that they have this authority to go whack people with the scriptures that doesn't do anything. Right? If we're only on this side of the tension, we lose tension, connection to love, legalism. We become love, 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 love. That's called hyper grace. It's called, oh, he doesn't care about your, your sin. Da, 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 da. No, no, he does care. He died on a cross because we sinned. Right? It's not like he's like, no, it's all cool. We're just homies. No, he forgives and gives mercy to the woman who's caught in adultery. And he looks at her and says, don't sin anymore. Right? That's, he still loved her. He loved her great. He gave her mercy. But he still spoke the truth. Are you following me? So we need both here, all right? So how, this is what we're going to try to go after tonight. That's kind of audacious, I know, but got to have big faith, right? Okay, so to understand this paradox, and I'm going to speak the rest of the night. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about things that you say, what does that do to do with truth and love? Just follow me. It's all about truth and love. This is all speaking in the context of embodying this paradox, of speaking the truth in love. Okay, we have to understand spiritual authority if we're going to do this well. Because when we are speaking the truth in love, by default, we are entering into a correctional encounter with someone. Are you following me? So we're actually coming in a place of authority. We're saying, I'm speaking the truth. There's something that needs to change, right? Uh, you can speak the truth in love when it, you know, it's not correctional, but that's not hard to do, right? It's like, hey, love you. <laughs> love you too, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about speaking the truth in love, speaking the hard truths, right, that faithful to the wounds of a friend that can cut someone, but that will actually have the love to heal at the same time, all right? So we have to understand the nature of spiritual authority because we're coming in a posture of authority anytime we're to speak the truth in love. Does that make sense? Okay, so... Uh, 
the definition here. I have the definition of authority. It's the right to give orders, make decisions, or enforce obedience. That's just the dictionary, right? The right to give orders, make decisions, or enforce obedience, right? So this is important. We got to have a grasp of authority, specifically spiritual authority, but really it applies across the board because in the shift from modernism, modernity to postmodernism, there's been a huge shift in the relation and the understanding and how people engage with authority, all right, people will say this about the millennial generation and, and really this whole postmodern shift is that there is an underlying distrust towards authority. That's like the beginning point, right? This is because postmodernism is, a re, is like a response. It's a reaction to modernity, which in modernity there was a lot of abuse of authority, right? A lot of a, abuse of institutional authority, of positional authority. People that were in high places did bad things. And so now it's gone the other way where I'm going to start with this kind of universal skepticism that I don't know what I do with authority, okay? So that's kind of the underlying climate that the world that is engaging and evolving in this nation right now, in this city, right? This is the mindset, the underlying mindset that is within the rising generation. And it's not just millennials, it's anybody in post-modernity, which is really the last 20, 30 years, 40 years. We've been in this shift, maybe even since the 60s. People don't really know, right? You're just trying to figure it all out. Uh, but the big shift, the easiest way to understand the shift is it went from positional authority to relational authority. Okay, I, I actually think that this shift is exciting for the church. Some people, I've had older pastors say things to me like, good luck leading those millennials. They don't know what they think of authority. Right? And like, there's truth there, but what millennials really don't know, what the, what the new generation, the rising generation, doesn't know, they don't like positional authority, which is, I just follow you and do what you tell me because you've got a title. Yeah. Are you following me? It's shifted now to relational authority. Authority is still very much recognized. We need authority to live, to govern, to function in this world. It's recognized, but it's recognized relationally. In other words, what kind of impact did you have on me? Right, like it's, it's, it's connected to a person, not connected to a title. Connected to influence, fruit, charisma that you've personally had on my life, not just a title, not just because, you know, oh, you got a degree, awesome. Why do I need to listen to you, right? But if you've impacted me, all of a sudden I'll give you a place of authority. Are you following me? This is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come with institutional positional authority. Jesus came with relational authority, right? And in relational authority, which is going to be, this is, this is what's taking over culture. This is what's taking over leadership, right? And there's executive MBAs all across this nation designed around servant leadership, which is saying your position as a general superintendent or whatever, as a, a general manager within GE, right? Or the, the, the CEO of some big organization, that doesn't mean anything. They want to know, are you a servant leader? Do you have relational authority? Can you make people better, right? That's what, that's what everybody's looking. That's what they're sniffing for these days, okay? So this is all culture. This isn't just the church, right? Relational authority puts a premium on two things, charisma and character, Right? Charisma is what attracts people. Right? These are giftings. We're going to go there. We all have giftings. We all have charismata. We all have gifts of grace that God's given us to bring. It will, bring, it will attract people. It will attract influence. Okay? But character is what compels people. Character is what creates movement. Right? Because character is when you get out of your own way so you can actually serve. Right? This is the way of Jesus. He had charisma that attracted people, but they knew that he was not about himself. He was about them. He poured into them. He, you know, he laid down his life for his friends. 
right? So there's this, there's this dynamic of servant leadership. People are looking, right? And, and, and what this means is that I, I think this is how I, you know, I, I know this because I live in today's age. I've grown up in today's age. You're like, like those drug dogs that can, you know, smell cocaine from like 100 yards away. That is what the rising generation, that is what culture today can do to people operating in fear and control. Because it's not about positional authority. I'm not just going to listen to you because you have a position. If I sniff fear and control in you, whew, done. You've just destroyed your platform of leadership. Your authority has been sucked right dry. Are you following me? Who relates to this? Okay, that's good. Half of you do. <laughs> I'll preach better next week. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> Getting nervous. Okay, so Matthew 7, you should be there. This is like a pretty popular verse. Um, this is Jesus. He's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. So he's preaching. He's speaking to his disciples and a couple thousand other people. And in verse 3 of Matthew 7, he says, Why do you look at the speck that's in your, own, in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? All right, this was my kind of like glancing understanding of this verse. It was like, why are you being hypocritical? Why are you judging somebody of doing that when you're doing the same thing? Does that, does that make sense? Right? If I actually apply that to real life, that makes no sense to me. Because I don't normally judge people for what I'm doing, right? I judge them for things that I'm not doing. That's why I'm judging them normally, right? It's like, how could you do that? I would never do that, right? How, who said that before? I would never do that, right? That's why we judge people, right? So this is interesting. Jesus is a carpenter. He's using carpentry language here. That word speck, it's referring to like a little, like a little speck of wood that would like float in a carpenter shop. That makes sense? Like a little speck, not even like a splinter, just a little speck. He's saying, so you're, 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 why are you exalting the speck? Why are you, as I prayed through this, this, when you have a log in your own eye. All right, this is, uh, I, as I prayed through this this week, I felt like the Lord uh, has something really contextual to speak into us uh, right now in this season as a church. I believe what Jesus is actually saying. He's not saying, you hypocrite, in the sense of like this direct hypocrisy, like you're, you're criticizing the speck when you're doing something way worse. Like, why are you criticizing someone that's, like, looking at porn when you're having an affair? Right? That's how I always looked at this verse. Right? What I think Jesus is getting to is he's saying, you don't have authority to speak to the speck. Because you have a log in your own eye. Let me contextualize this. Uh, I believe uh, that opinions shared without authority actually cause us to veer in judgment. All right, and let me share an example from my life this week. All right, so I had put the Lord, you're going to think this is funny, but the Lord put this on my heart. To, uh, I, he burdened me about a month ago that I want you to create a space, a forum, for single Christians to, in the church to talk. <laughs> oh, again, my mom, I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Love you. <laughs> Why did you get so nervous? Man. See? Okay, so... And, and I, I, I felt like this, because in, in the church today, there's more Christians than at any time in the history of Christianity. And I feel like there's an elephant in the room that's not getting spoken about. Okay, so the Lord told me to create this space. Now, it was interesting, because uh, the Lord has given me authority in this house, 
right, to, to build this house, right? And I, I give authority to Jamie to do children's ministry, my mom to do revival group ministry, like, right? There's this, there's this dispensation of authority, right? God's given me authority, then I give that others, right? And it's building this house, okay? All the authority derives from where? God, okay, because it's his leadership. And as we yield self-surrender, we get less of us so that he can actually perform his will through us, right? So I've been given authority to preach to the spiritual culture, to create the DNA, right? To, to guide, to govern, to with him, in him, through dependence, right? But uh, there, there's a trap we fall into sometimes that we think because we have authority here, right, where I can share what the Lord's telling me, that that, that then it becomes this unilateral authority that we have in all realms of life. Okay, and I think social media is lying to us and convincing us that our opinion, we have a right to share our opinion everywhere. Yeah. Like you, you, you have a unilateral, unrevocable license to share your opinion with whoever you want to. Right? We have a right to have an opinion, absolutely. But it is not wisdom. It is not always to, under the authority of heaven to share your opinion wherever the heck you want. Right? But we live in a culture where you can so we are constantly given the opportunity to share our opinion wherever we want. So anyways, uh, back to my story. Uh, the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing for this singles night, and he said, you're not coming in the authority of leading this church. Right, which makes sense. I'm single, right? I don't have answers, right? I'm not an expert. But it was interesting because he had already told me this from the beginning. I knew I was coming to start a conversation. I was coming chucking the authority with a very different posture of my heart. And he showed me that if you were to come in this type of posture and share your opinion, it would be damaging to people. Because you have a platform, you have a position of authority of here that does not translate here. And he was just very intentional, just showed me, da, 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 and I knew exactly what I was going to. It was interesting, though, to perceive some other people got little feathers ruffled were talking to me, you can't do this, da, 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 da. And I said, no, 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 no. Because they were saying, you can't come like this, you can't come like this. And I already knew that. Right? And it was, it was just this interesting dynamic to learn the interplay of how we weave in and out of authority on our lives. Does this make sense? Right? You have authority with your own children that you don't have with other people's children, even if they're at your house playing. Right? Like we are constantly living in a world that has authority dispensed in all these different ways and all these different places. But this is what happens sometimes because we're not aware of spiritual authority. Is we start spouting off our opinion in places where it's causing damage. Right? And Jesus is saying, why are you speaking to the speck? Why are you sharing your opinion when you're negating the log in your own eye? Which is, you are violating the authority of heaven, which means you're violating God. Right? I think casually we get into conversations. We say things. We say little, my opinion. Our opinions matter. I'm not saying if you, have, if you have issues with something, you don't speak to it. But I'm saying we have to learn what is my authority. Where are the places where I have freedom to speak? Where are the places where I don't have freedom to speak? Does this make sense? Yeah. Right? Because we can color people's minds with our words in such a way that they will become polarized and only be able to see right or wrong based on what you fed them when you spoke out of authority, right? With, without authority. Does this make sense? I felt the Lord put this heavy on my heart, that this is a contextual for us as we are a growing community and things are constantly changing. We have to be aware, what authority has God given me? Right, because you have authority, but we have to use it well and speak wisely, right? And, and just flip over to now Matthew 8, 9. I'm gonna continue on this. Uh, there's an amazing story uh, where there's a Roman centurion, he has a sick kid, he comes to Jesus, I want you to heal my daughter. He says, okay, I'm going to come. He says, no, 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 
You don't need to come to my house. And then in verse 9, he says, For I also am a man under authority. I say the word, they do it. I tell the soldier to do that, they do it. Da, da, da. He begins, and he looks at Jesus and says, So you say the word, my daughter will be healed. Jesus marvels, says, wow, your faith is great. I haven't even found this type of faith in Israel. And his faith is great because he perceives the, the unseen dispensation of the authority of heaven. Right? He, he understands that the reason people obey him, the reason people respond to his words is because he is under the authority of Rome. Right? And he then equates that to Jesus saying, wow, you're under the authority of God, so therefore your words have power. Right? We need to be a people under authority if we want our words to have power. If we want to be able to speak the truth in love. Because I think a lot of times what happens is we speak the truth and we are not under authority. And so there is no love. Because how could there be love in our words if we are violating in the very act of doing it the God of love? Right? So I see people that don't have bad hearts, hate God. They're not horrible peak corners preaching truth. They, they don't hate God. They're not horrible people. What they are doing is they are operating outside the authority of heaven. Are you following me? Where, what, what church do you go to? I'll ask him. I don't go to church. I'm a free roamer. I do what I want. I go where the Holy Spirit tells me. Right? That's not how God designed it. He designed us to be mutually submitted and in structures where we have authority over us, right? There's two men in my life that have authority over me. I yield things. I present things to them. They challenge me theologically. They challenge me on my sermons. They challenge me on things I say, and it's very, very good for me. Are you following me on this? So we want to be careful. We want to be wise where we're speaking, where we're speaking our opinions. We want to be people that are under authority. All right, so how do we uh, become under authority. This is where it gets cool, all right? Uh, authority, a symbol, who knows like a symbol of authority? That's, it's pretty universal. Yeah. Well, the president, that's good. All right, uh, a sword, right? If you see a sword, that's a symbol of authority, right? Jesus comes with a double-edged sword, right? And uh, the word of God, interesting enough, is equated to a sword, Right? Hebrews 4, Ephesians 6, both refer to the word of God as a sword. Hebrews 4 says that this sword is divisive to uh, bones and marrow. So the physical body, it's divisive to spirit and soul, past the emotions into the very spirit, and it judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Right? This, is, uh, this is where I'm going to with all this. If we're to speak the truth in love, we have to be under the authority of that truth, which means this is, this is the process. How do you know if you have the authority to speak a truth to someone? Have you come under it yourself? The Lord will come with the truth. He'll stick that two-level sword right at your heart. He said, I want you to use this thing, but it's long, and you can't get that handle until it's gone in. And as you let that word come in, divide, divide, transform, change me, repentance, Right, breaking, ow, 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 and then healing, right? He is a master surgeon. He cuts, he hurts, and then he heals and restores. When we come under the authority of the truth, we are then able and equipped to then use that and then wield it in such a way that it will not hack people to pieces. It will bring healing to their hearts. Why? Why? 
because we love as we were first loved. Galatians 6 says this. This is a this this is like a correction in the spirit. The truth this is speak the truth in love. Brothers, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, any it doesn't matter how bad, any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one first looking to yourself. That's easy to do when you've already allowed it to come in. Because when you've received the truth, when you've received the correction of heaven, you know already that it's his kindness that led you to repentance. So when you go to speak the truth in love, there's no anger, there's no emotion, there's no, um, you don't have to puff anything up. You're coming in gentleness because the word you're speaking is a double-edged sword that's going to pierce them and cut them, but heal them. Right? At this point, you're equipped to love as he's loved you. That's how you know you're under authority. You are not authorized by heaven to speak a truth to someone that you have not come under yourself. Right? You can't wield a sword that you haven't first experienced. Because he's, it's like, he makes you feel so loved. Even when he cuts you, it's like, how do you love me? How do you love me? How do you love me so much, right? So it changes the posture of rebuke. In Philippians 3, Paul's talking about the enemies, his enemies, the Jews. He says, I tell you even weeping that they're enemies of the gospel. Right? He's not, that's the posture of rebuke. It's with tears because you're looking to yourself. You're so motivated by love. Because it's all you can do because it's all you've ever received is love. Does this make sense? We are called to be a people that speak the truth in love, right? Last Tuesday, Dan Bohai was here, and he preached a sermon that not a lot of us would preach. Right? Having everybody confess, <laughs> who's looking at porn, <laughs> who's not tithing, who's doing this, who's doing that. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is heavy, right? But how much love was in the room, those that were here? How much love? Do you know why? Because he was wielding a sword that had already cut himself. Do you see the difference? See, we can read the book and be like, oh, wow, that's great. That's true. Wham, 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 wham. That's, that's not speak the truth in love. That's carelessly spew truth where you don't have authority and cause a lot of damage. That's not what we're called to be. Speak the truth in love. Okay, I want to flip it now because this is the other side for the lovers in the room. I hear this often, well, I just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm going to go after you here for a second. <laughs> that is called unsanctified mercy. And it is selfish to the core. Because this is what that's saying. I care more about you liking me than I do you walking in freedom. Yeah. Where's the love? Right? I care more about you liking me than I really do walking in a deep, real relationship and seeing you flourish with God. I just want you to like me. So I don't want to hurt your feelings. So that's scary. Am I hitting on anybody? Yeah, I knew it. If we love in each other, if we love, we're compelled to speak the truth. And it's okay. The heart behind I don't want to hurt you is good. 
but love will hurt you anyway. Right? Jesus loved Peter enough to rebuke him to his face. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Give the gift of people. I try to give the gift to everyone I'm in relationship with that they will know where they're at with me. And that sucks sometimes because I get frustrated. I'm like, crap, I have to tell them. Right? It's not fun. Brave communication. We have to speak the truth in love. And then I want to last end with this. Proverbs 9, 8, I'm going to read it to you. wrong bookmark. Proverbs 9.8 says this. I'm going to do 9.8 and 9. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. A lot of us do not have a posture or capability to receive truth and love. We get so dang defensive. And there's people that I know, there's people that I love, that I can't have honest conversation. The Lord says, no, it's not time. Their hearts are not ready to hear truth. And there's people that sometimes I, I do, I have hard conversations. This is something that I've made a posture of my life because I believe to be a healthy family, we have to speak the truth in love. And that starts with us, that starts on the staff. I'm just going to put this out there. I want it to permeate every level of this church. Uh, but we get so dang defensive. And I'm just going to put this out there to all of you because you know. If you are defensive when people that you know love you are coming to speak to you, uh, you need to ask the Lord, what are you defending? Am I getting anybody? Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I think we have to get to the point where we can receive and have hard conversations with a gentle heart. We had a conversation with my mom probably three months ago. It hurt me. Man, I, I, for like the next day, I was just sagging because she just told me, this is how you make me feel. This is what this makes me feel, dot, 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 dot. And it was so true, and it hurt. It hurt because that sword was entering. But I can tell you, it took me to a place. And anytime I have these conversations, this is what I do. I say, either I agree with it initially or not, because a lot of times I do agree with it, sometimes I don't. I will say thank you. I will hear. I will ask questions so I fully understand. I don't try to have a defending conversation in that moment. I don't try to have any conversation. I just want to hear. And then it says a wise man will receive instruction and become wiser. Why? Because a wise man will take that. He will know that for someone to come and speak the truth in love, that is a hard thing to do. So I'm going to give enough time, and I'm going to give them enough. I'm going to honor them enough, even if I completely disagree, to come away and sit with it. Okay, Lord. Where's the truth? And let his word begin to divide within us. All right, and then I'll go back. I'll tell people, hey, you said this. I don't really agree with this, but you said this, and this really got me. All right, and you build rapport. You build intimacy, and it's beautiful. Amen? Amen. So it's not a real pretty sermon tonight, but I want to conclude. I just want to give opportunity to respond. Uh, I think we all have areas to grow what as it pertains to speaking the truth of love, whether it's on the giving side, the receiving side, or either side. And uh, so I just, I want to give a space uh, for you to just respond. And I think repentance is kind of a key word in this community right now for the next few weeks. We're learning to love, and that requires a lot of repentance. 
the changing of our thinking. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's repentance. Wow, I thought this way, I need to renew. This isn't shame, this isn't to blame, this is exciting, actually. Because when he cuts us, and he hurts us, it's to heal. It's to liberate, it's to set us free. Amen? So uh, I just want you to stand uh, if you say, I, I need to repent tonight. Wonderful. Praise Jesus. Now, we're not going to do music. I just want you to pray. And I I'd, I'd just pray and tell the Lord, this is, this is what's going on. This is what needs to change. And just give it into your own words. And I'm going to pray my, myself. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of all truth and that your truth sets us free. So, God, we just open up our hearts tonight and we say thank you. We honor the double-edged sword of your word. And I ask that it will continue to permeate us, God, in even the deepest places and sanctify us and make us a people of love. I pray, God, if we've been convicted tonight of where we're, we're speaking the truth without love, I pray that you so transform us, God, that you so give us a revelation of your authority, God, that you convict us where we've been speaking to specs. God, and that you bring us under authority in all the conversations of our life, God, that life and death's in the tongue, that we be a people that choose life. Lord, change us, transform us. For those that say, I haven't been having the conversations because I'm protecting myself and I've got a people-pleasing spirit on my life. Lord, right now, we just repent. We repent as a family and say, God, take that away. Transform us so that we will love people enough to be faithful in wounding them with the wounds of a friend so that they can be liberated to walk in freedom. God, and for those that we say, I'm defensive. Lord, I, I'm scared. I'm terrified of letting people speak. I don't want the facade to be seen through. God, I pray that you will, perfect love will come and cast out fear, that you will change our thinking, that you will renew our minds so that we will stop defending an old man that's supposed to be dead so that we can live into the resurrection life of our new creation in Christ, God. Because when we are alive to you, there is nothing left to defend because we know you are good in all your purpose to us, God. So I thank you that you are raising a healthy family in this house, God, that you are, you are putting an unction within us tonight to speak the truth, to be brave communicators, Lord, that, that go after wholeness and purity and love each other enough to do the hard thing and speak the hard words and have the hard conversations so that we can become like Jesus. I pray this all in your mighty name, Lord, and we ask that you uh, will bring to completion this good work that you're starting in this season in our lives. We love you, Lord. Amen.